Thanks, guys. Wow, that is amazing. What an awesome welcome. Thank you very much. I've just been anointed by soul. Guys, it's so good to be with you here this morning. Um, yeah, you can take your seat so long. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, it is such a privilege to be here and to share out of God's Word. And I just want to thank our, our lead pastors, Andre and Ian, just for the, the credible, stellar work that they're doing at the moment. And I, I just want to tell you that they love you and they care for you and they care for this community and this country. They are busy preaching at Melpus. Uh, this morning, and uh, hey, I want to welcome, uh, we are not here alone, we are got our location in Camps Bay, so welcome to all of our guys in Camps Bay, what an awesome, awesome opportunity it is to be with all of you uh, this morning, yeah, and guys, um, I've been thinking lately, I don't know, um, it's weird, but I've been thinking lately about uh, death and life, <laughs> it's a weird topic, hey, um, so I've been thinking about death and life, and I've been thinking about like legacy, and just kind of, I was dreaming this year and just saying like, we've come out of a fastest and I've, I've trusted God for stuff. But uh, I kept like, what do I am dreaming for 2022? And I just remember God just like saying like, you know what, it's actually got nothing to do with 2022. It's got to do with the legacy. It's how you run uh, your race. And so, um, yeah, when you get to your 40s, you kind of start thinking about stuff like this. Uh, what sort of legacy you want to leave? In my 20s and my 30s, I didn't really think about that at all. But when you're getting north of 40s, uh, yeah, so I'll be 42 in March this year. So, so when you get north of 40, you start to think about what is the impact I want to leave when I go one day? Like, uh, what is the legacy I want to leave behind for my family, for my church, for my community? I don't just want to be somebody that's coasted through life. I want to be somebody that's been impactful uh, for Jesus Christ. And... Um, this morning, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. I'm going to talk a little bit about legacy and leaving a legacy, but I'm going to do that by sharing two pieces of Scripture with you this morning. Both of them are in the second book of Timothy. So 2 Timothy, uh, we're going to be reading out of chapters 4, and we're going to be reading out of chapters 2. I'm going to predominantly spend most of my time in the sermon on, on chapters 2, but uh, for the opening part, I'll go to chapters 4. But before we do that... While you're making your way there in your Bibles, um, I want to just paint a bit of context about this. So the second book of Timothy was actually written by the Apostle Paul, okay? The Apostle Paul wrote this, and he's writing to his, his kind of, uh, he calls it his son, his spiritual son. He's 2IC, the person that he's been mentoring, which is Timothy. And it's a very sad story in chapter four when we start to read, and I'll tell you why. Because if you know anything about the Apostle Paul, you will know that he leaves a massive legacy. He is a man that lived his entire life for the ministry and the purposes of God. He wrote most of the New Testament, pretty much half of the New Testament, and he has planted so many churches and counseled so many men and women. He has left such a massive legacy. But in this particular piece of scripture that I'm going to be reading this morning, he's writing to Timothy, but it's a sad moment because he's writing from the place of his departure. He's coming to the end of his life, and he is writing a letter to Timothy to, to, to almost encourage Timothy with this last level of encouragement. So if you, I see they put that photo up already. Um, so if you ever travel to Rome, um, or you ever are get an opportunity to do that. You may have been here already, but this is the memory time, the, the mem memory time prison. Uh, just to give you an idea, I want you to give you a visual picture. This is the prison that Paul is currently writing this book from. The great apostle 
that did so much for God ends his life in, in a prison that kind of looks like a cave. You see, this prison didn't have any windows, didn't have any doors. You'll see there's a little white light from the top. That's how the prisoner was lowered into the prison and they were fed through that hole. But whilst he's in this level of prison, he is writing a letter of encouragement to Timothy. And that's what I wanna read uh, this morning uh, out of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 8. Okay, so you can read with me and let's go. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my departure is near and I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I've remained faithful. And now the prize awaits for me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord Jesus, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward for the appearing of that day. You see, this was Paul saying to Timothy, he's saying, Timothy, my man, (laughs) I have done well. I have run the race and I'm left everything out on the field. You know what, Timothy? I am leaving this life with absolutely no regrets. Because Timothy, when I look back on my life, I, no one can ever say that I didn't give everything I had to God, everything for the purposes of God's will, everything to see the kingdom move forward. And he's writing this to Timothy so that he can encourage him to do the same. So my question this morning that I was thinking about is uh, how do you get there? How many of us wanna leave a life of legacy that is similar to Paul's? But how many of us can truly say that we're currently living a life that says that we're leaving everything on the field for God? Where we put everything that we've got towards what God wants to do. And uh, the question is, how did he get there? How does somebody get there? To say at the end of your life, God, I've given everything. I've poured it all out. There's nothing left. And it makes me think like, I'd ask the question myself is, what did Paul's life look like? Why Paul? Who is this guy that God looked at and said, through this guy, he's gonna be somebody that carries the qualities of perseverance, the qualities and the abilities to see the kingdom advance in a mighty way. What is it about Paul that God looks at him and makes him see this? Well, in our next scripture that we're gonna be reading, Paul actually tells us what that is, and that's in chapter two. In this piece of scripture, Paul is actually giving Timothy a roadmap to greatness a roadmap towards grace. He's giving Timothy the GPS coordinates. He's saying, Timothy, you can get it too. But let me tell you some of the examples of what I did to get there. And this is the advice that Paul gives Timothy in chapters two, and we're reading from verses three through to seven. And he says, you therefore must endure the hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engages in war, entangles himself in the affairs of this life, that he may be pleased with the one who enlisted him to be a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you 
understanding in all things. Timothy, consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Church, view church, everyone sitting here today, consider these things, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. And so for the next moments, I wanna talk about the topic of this morning's sermon is a roadmap towards greatness. And I believe that these things, if applied to your life, won't only improve your Christian life or your walk with God, but will improve your marriage. It will improve your your work life. It'll improve your business life. It can even improve your family life. That if you apply these particular things that Paul's gonna talk about today, we might get a clearer understanding of what it takes to move from good to great. You know, when my son, um, he was, uh, um, before I get into that, I wanna quickly just pray. Let's pray quickly. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you, Lord, for the apostle Paul. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your example that he followed, Lord. We thank you that the word that was written now, Father God, we know that your Bible is breathed. It's your breath. And I pray that your breath touches us today on our hearts, Father God, and that it takes root, Lord. That it challenges us, Father God, but it also encourages us, Father God. I pray that even as I speak today, Lord, it will be the presence of the Holy Spirit speaking, Father God, and that you would get the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so um, when my son, my youngest son, oh my hat, how many of you have got kids that are like really active? They're like buzz all over the parents, yeah? Um, when my youngest son, Aaron, when my wife was pregnant with him, um, what was so funny about Aaron is she used to struggle to sleep because you would look at her stomach and it was like, boof, 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 boof. And we're like, what's going on here? And it just didn't stop. We're like, this Abby's like, something's wrong. Like, and, uh, but, but you know, kids, uh, how many of you are parents, you get your first child and you like paint out the place a year before, or like nine months before the time, paint out the place, you get all ready, you buy a thousand cots, you get to your third child and you're like, yeah, let's just get through this. Eh? How many have been there? Well, he was our youngest, our third child, and he really gave us a run for his money. But he used to be so busy. I tell you what, the day he was born, the doctor actually said to me, look at his feet. And his feet were doing this. And I was like, he looks at me, he goes, that's a busy boy. His feet were doing this, but it didn't stop. Throughout his life, it was, he continued to do it. He looked like the penguin from Happy Feet. He just didn't stop. Like when he was learning how to stand, he would actually stand like this. And, he, he, and then when he started to learn how to walk, he couldn't just walk, he'd do this the whole time. Everyone's like, what's wrong with your child? I'm like, no, I don't know. He's got more energy than the Energizer Bunny. But today he hasn't stopped doing that. It's like he's just got these feet that completely keep moving. And so I've tried to focus his energy uh, to try and put him into some sports and try and focus his energy because he eats like a horse and he's only nine years old because he's already developed these calves from all that. I just want to let you know, if you want to improve your calves, you just jump around all day. And um, so by this time, um, Aaron, I thought, let's go hiking because I actually think that he's got the potential to be a really good trail runner. He has this ability to keep running for long distance. He's got this endurance. He's got the body shape for it. He eats like a trail runner. Not vegan, by the way. Um, but but he, he has everything to potential. So we take him hiking and I'll say, hey, boy, let's go running. And I wouldn't say anything. And he'd run up and down the mountain the whole time. We go, you know, you got the potential to be a great trail runner. And he's like, nah, nah. I'd be sitting at home. Hey, let's go climb Lion's Head and we can run it. And he's like, nah, nah. I know I'm good at it, but nah. And what it got me thinking is, do you know why he doesn't want to do it? Because he doesn't want to be consistent in the practice. 
You see, a lot of us are the same thing, is we don't do consistently things to make ourselves improve. Do you know that people that do things consistently are, will always trump people that do them in a way that, that, uh, that gets them, so for instance, let, let me use the example. If, if you are gonna do things consistently rather than occasionally, you are gonna grow. But most of us, even in our Christian life, we would prefer to do things occasionally rather than consistently. And this is what Paul's actually saying to, P, to, to, to Timothy right now is, Paul, you need to become consistent. In order to move from a place to have your full potential capitalized, you need to get out of your mindset that you're good at something and you need to be consistent in it so that you can become great at it. Because great people never do it occasionally. They're always gonna do it consistently. And Joyce Meyer says, if you ever wanna get true potential, it's like a treasure, like gold inside of you that you need to dig out. You need to practice it over and over you know sometimes we get like even in our Christian walk if you think about it we're good Christians I, I'm looking along here and I see a lot of good Christians but I think even for me sometimes I, I, I go like I'm a good Christian I tithe I've joined a view group and I serve but sometimes I think God's looking at me and he's just going yeah but I've got more in store for you And sometimes I go, God, I'm a good husband. You know, I bring home the money. <laughs> if I said that to my wife, she would kill me. I mean, she'd probably punch me in the face. What? I bring home the money. No. But I, I provide for my kids and, 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 and I wanted the best for them. But I also spend time with my wife and I give her time and I give her attention. While I'm patting myself on the back for being a good husband, God's looking at me, he's going, yeah, that's good. But how many times have you affirmed her? How many times have you given her affection? Husbands, how many times do you stop and listen to your wives? You see, there's a difference between a good husband, but a great husband is the one that actually sees the best for everyone. And so what you consistently do is very important. And so there's a guy that wrote this book called From Good to Great. It's a guy called Jim Collins. He wrote it, I read it in 2005, um, but he, he's a business coach. And he, this book, From Good to Great, he talks about business coaching tips on how to get your business to thrive rather than just survive, okay? I don't know about you and your Christian, would you rather be thriving rather than just surviving? And so what he does is he poses some challenging questions in this book to business people, and he says to them, why do some companies do really well while others don't do well? Have you ever thought of that? Well, he says the ones that do well consistently do what the others only do occasionally. And so on his first book, he says, can I tell you something? Good is the enemy of great. And sometimes we get so stuck on just being good and, and content on being good that we forget that God's got more in store for us in this life. And I believe that the Apostle Paul was great. He didn't just settle for good. So the reasons we never reach greatness is because we're just content on settling for good. 
And this is what Paul's challenging Timothy, saying, Timothy, you're a great, you're a good Christian. But Timothy, if you want to end this race well, you're going to need to learn how to be a great Christian. And so in this particular passage, we can see that Paul has given three illustrations, kind of like three uh, metaphors, three examples of how to move to great out of this chapter two. And we're going to unpack that this morning. And the three metaphors that he gives is he first gives the metaphor of a soldier, and then he talks about an athlete, and then he talks about a farmer. So that's kind of how I'm going to frame it this morning, and we're going to get into it. So let's look from verse 3 it says you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ now I don't know about you if you have anyone in your family that is a military person or if you yourself have been in the military you'll understand that there are certain qualities about a military a good soldier there are certain qualities that make them stand out above the rest and that one of the qualities that I think a good soldier needs to have and this is what Paul is saying to Timothy a good soldier has the quality of perseverance those two words let's focus on it and it says Timothy you must in Endure hardship. So he says, Timothy, if you want to be a good Christian and you want to end your life well and you want to leave no regrets and you want to leave it all on the field, you need to be a person with the ability to persevere. Maybe you sitting here this morning, I don't know, we've been dealing with so many marriages that have been under attack at the moment. And um, maybe you sitting here this morning and your marriage is you going like, hey, I'm prepared to throw in the towel. I think if Paul was holding the mic right now, you know what he'd be saying to you? That if you wanna finish great, you wanna have a great marriage, you need to have the ability to persevere. I think if you're in a job and you're not happy with your job and your work situation is struggling and you're actually going, I don't know if I could do this thing. I think if Paul had the, the mic today, he'd be telling you that perseverance is the ability to stand up under pressure. Have you ever seen those cross-fit athletes pick up those massive weights and push them above their heads? They need to have the strength and the ability to stand under a difficult situation, under pressure. And I think that God God wanted uh, Paul to know this, but Paul wants Timothy to know this, and I think he wants, the church needs to know this, that you gotta learn to persevere. A lot of us wanna go through life and we don't realize that we gotta face difficult situations. You are gonna face disappointments. Along the way, Paul faced so many disappointments. He faced inconveniences, hardships, but a lot of us wanna quit at the hardships because we're happy with being good because moving to great might just take us to do something different. So do you know in 2, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul actually talks about the hardships that he went through. We're all looking at the end of his life and going, what a great guy, poured out. But we're not looking at what he went through. Do you know that Paul was shipwrecked? He was stoned. He wasn't shipwrecked in Jamaica, so it was a different type of thing. He was stoned with a rock, okay? So he was shipwrecked, he was stoned with rocks, he was left naked, he was left for dead, he was imprisoned many times, and he had the pressure of having to lead all these churches on his shoulders. Paul knew what it took to persevere, but the thing is, you know why most of us don't wanna persevere? It's because we are give up because we're content with just being good. We'd rather not move to great. And Paul was not happy with that. He persevered. Another thing is that not just perseverance a soldier needs, a soldier needs the ability to fight. 
in verse four, it says, no one engaged in warfare. Say it with me. No one engaged in warfare. Let's do that again, because that was very bad, guys. Come on. No one engaged in warfare. I wanna tell you something. If you're sitting here this morning and you don't believe that there's a real devil that is coming for you, he's breathing down your neck. He's got your number. He knows your address and he is coming for you. I wanna remind you that he is real and he is coming for you. And the thing about an enemy is you need to realize that they are gonna try and take you out. I wanna tell you about the devil. The devil has, he has horrible tactics because he knows he can't take your salvation from you once you are saved. He knows he can't pry you from God's hand. So you know what he does? He just makes you ineffective. His ability is just to make you, your impact that you have, you can just have that. He's content with that. So anybody that's ever been in a fight, or a, I mean, a, not just a normal fight like afterwards, but I mean like a UFC fight or engage in any fight, what's the first thing you do? You learn about the person you're going up against. You learn about their qualities. And so I wanna tell you about some of the qualities that the devil has. The devil's first one is gonna bring a weapon. He's not gonna come with nothing. He's coming as a weapon. And you know what his first weapon is? Distraction. He hits you. Is he just, if he, can, he doesn't have, he's just gotta keep you distracted. You're not focused on God. All your blessings you get from God and then you get so busy and your life gets overwhelmed and you're so stressed and you're so depressed because you just can't get to everything in life. You know, my kids are in this sport and that sport and you've got a hobby and I can't give up my cycling on a, on a Sunday morning because, because you know, I've, that's my best time to ride. It's a me time. And then you put the kingdom aside. I wanna tell you something. When you start putting things above God, you're being distracted. And that's the first thing that he's gonna try and do. The second thing, he's gonna try and discourage you. He's gonna say, remember that time Remember that mistake. You remember that time? And he's just gonna put the guilt and the shame and all the dirt that's gonna remind you of everything that you're not good enough. He's just gonna keep pumping that in and you're gonna live a life that goes, I'm not good enough. He's just gonna try and discourage you over and over. How does he do it these days? Social media, you just look at comparison. Why does that person have that car? I'm this age and I don't have that yet. And he just tries to discourage you over and over. And the last thing is that we also see is that he causes you to doubt. He causes you to doubt yourself. He just goes like, you know when you prayed and it didn't work, God doesn't love you. You know that word that was written by some hippie Roman dude that wasn't really, Jesus didn't exist and he wasn't real. He's just gonna try and put as much doubt. You know your plan that he set aside for you in your life? He's just gonna put doubt in your mind and he's gonna make you believe that you are not good enough. And here's the thing. What Paul is saying to Timothy is if you want to live a life of greatness, you need to be able to fight. You need to be able to fight against your enemy and understand how he's coming. You need to engage in war. Not just perseverance, not just the ability to fight, but you also need to be a person of courage. God might call you out of a comfortable zone in your marriage this year. He might call you out of a comfortable space in your business this year. He may call you in the ministry to do something uncomfortable, but a warrior is ready at any time. He is ready to be uncomfortable. He's ready to take risk. I wanna tell you about soldiers. They will risk because they know the principle that there is no reward without risk. You can't just want reward and never put in risk. If you're not prepared to step out, then just stay where you are and get nothing. But risk, that brings reward. And a soldier understands that and that's why they pursue and that's why they continue. And the last thing is that a soldier has the steely mindset that is focused. 
They are so focused. They have a single-minded focus. In verse, uh, verse four, Timothy says this. He says, think about a soldier, Timothy. No one engages in warfare, entangles themselves in the affairs of this world. Sometimes we put this world above our relationship with God. But he, he's going, keep a single-minded focus, Timothy, like a soldier. Know where your priorities lie, Timothy, like a soldier. I wanna tell you something today, church. You need to hear this, is that Jesus was a carpenter but never lost sight that he was gonna be the savior of the world. Peter was a fisherman but never lost sight of the fact that he was gonna become a fisher of men. Paul was a tent maker and never lost sight of the fact that he was gonna build a church. Where is our priorities? What are you using your talents for? Are you focusing your talents on yourself to build your own priorities? Or all your priorities set with God. And this is what Paul's saying to Timothy. You need to get your priorities right. You need to get your focus right. The second illustration that we see quickly is the athletes. In verse five, he says, and also if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Timothy, just think about an athlete. Now, What's the first thing that comes to mind? I know the first thing that came to mind when I was prepping this. The first thing that comes to mind about an athlete is discipline. Can I tell you something about my life? Whenever, whenever I was at my fittest, I could always see that I was at my most disciplined. Whenever I'm at my relationship with God in a good place, I'm always at my most disciplined. How many of us are in that space? And praise God, if you're in that space, if your relationship is growing from strength to strength because of your discipline to get into the Word, because of your discipline to pray, because of your discipline to worship, because of your discipline to journal, because of your discipline to fast. These are all things that help align us and get our priorities correct, and they help us get the discipline in our lives. I wanna tell you something God once said to me, Dieter, don't, make them, don't just put them in, make them count. I wanna tell you what a good Christian does. A good Christian spends time with God if he can and when he can. But a great Christian spends time with God every single day in the Word. And I don't know about you, but I don't wanna be a Christian this year, 2022 and beyond, and just be a good Christian that spends God on odd occasion. I wanna be a Christian that focuses on putting God first in everything that I do. Not only does an athlete need discipline, but he also needs integrity. I mean, come on. Over the years, how many times have we been so disappointed by some of these people that got natural God-given a talent? Sprinters, uh, uh, cyclists, that have natural God-given a talent. And what happens? They grow from strength to strength until they get to a point that they dope. And they, they, just, they just dope a little. Like I'm just gonna dope here and dope here. And, dope, yeah. and eventually they get so stuck in a secret life of doping and, and, and success that what they don't realize, all it takes is a match to light up their integrity and to take them down. You see, they may have won the match, but they lost their integrity along the place. I wanna tell you something about integrity. A person with low integrity or the ability to cheat, you can do that and fool everybody on this earth. You can fool everyone in your sports and you could fool everyone in your families. But I'll tell you what, integrity can't, and non-integrity can't get into heaven. You will never fool God with integrity. And I wanna encourage you today. I don't know where your discipline is. I don't know where your integrity lies today. But why don't you just take a moment with God 
The Bible talks about this word called repentance. In the Hebrew, it was called metanoia. And it's a big Christianese word. <laughs> Whoa, what does it mean? Isn't that like that movie I watched? But all it means is to turn. I was going in this direction. I'm sorry, God, I repent of my sins and turn your direction and change direction. And that's what repentance is about. It's the, about the ability to help us realize that we gotta get our integrity in line. We have to get our discipline in line. Could I ask the worship team to come up? The final thing that I wanna talk about is a farmer. Sure. Verse six says this, and I need you guys to get this because this is the last point that, so he says, you know, you need to be like a soldier. You need to be like an athlete who's disciplined and has the integrity, Timothy. But Timothy, I need you to be like a farmer. Verse six says, the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Have you ever considered a farmer? What is something that stands out in that scripture that is an attribute of a farmer that stands out to you? Paul says, Timothy, you need to be hardworking. Think about a farmer. Farmers don't put seed in, take a lot, and it arrives in 24 hours. Farmers have to work hard. What makes a farmer? Well, not the leather hat that Angus Buckingham wears, not the, not the long socks, not the leather shoes. You could put on the outfit, that's still not gonna make you a farmer. You can get the bucky, still not gonna make you a farmer. What makes you a farmer is what you put in the ground. And the thing about a farmer is he's prepared to sow a seed today to reap a reward later. But so many of us are sowing seeds today to reap a reward on this life. But all God wants from us is just the ability to sow a seed towards the kingdom. Because Matthew 6 from verse 20 tells us that we don't store our treasures here on earth. We store, because rusts and moths will destroy them, but we store for ourselves treasures in heaven. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, Timothy, if you wanna end your life great and have no regrets and actually feel like you've poured everything and you've left everything on the field, you need to be as hardworking as a farmer. You can't give up. You can't be a good Christian today and sow a seed and tomorrow you're not. You need to be consistent. You know, remember, great people consistently do what good people occasionally do. You need to be consistent to sow that seed. And you know what? In your life, you may never see the reward for that seed. You may put that seed into the ground today. And what happens is that reward may only come in heaven. But I tell you something, the scripture says in the way that Paul says that I am gonna go to the one who is righteous because I know the reward is coming. Paul ended his life in a prison that looked like a cave, but he didn't lose sight of the fact of the seeds that he has sown. Remember, a farmer doesn't only sow when it rains. He sows when it's right because he knows when he's gonna reap, when the harvest is coming. And church, I wanna encourage us today that in the same way that Paul encouraged Timothy, if you wanna move from good, being a good Christian to a great Christian, some of these things are so key in our lives because they're so simple and you go, I've heard that before, but how many of us consistently do it or occasionally do it? 
I don't have anything more than that. That's, that's the sermon. But if I can encourage you, one thing is that Jesus died for you. He loves you. No matter what you've done, keep sowing. Keep working hard. Never give up. Persevere. Hardships are part of the deal. You, you can ask friends of mine that are in CrossFit. They, they hurt after they do a training session. Why? Because pain builds you. It doesn't break you. But keep persevering. Keep keeping on. Stay courageous. Never give up stepping out for God so regularly. And I can tell you what, that all these treasures will be stored for you one day in heaven. And that God has a place for you. And I wanna tell you one, one more thing about a farmer. He's waiting. He never spends time wasting. Whilst he's sown that seed, he puts effort into seeing that seed come to fruition. Never let your waiting time with God be your wasted time with God. Always make sure that you are gonna keep sowing, keep in the word, keep keeping on, pour yourself out, and maybe we can also end our lives in a great way. Let's bow our heads quickly. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, that you are able to be the one that is true. You went before us, Lord Jesus. You, you practiced all these principles. You were the great example for Paul to see this, Father God. And we thank you, God, that because of your perseverance, we have salvation today. If you didn't apply perseverance, we may not be in a position where we can even come boldly into the throne room but we can because of your love. John 3, 16, because you loved us so much, you gave your only son. There's never a gift that we can give that's bigger than yours. And we thank you, Lord, that there's an eternity that awaits for us with you. Church, while your heads are bowed and you're in this, this moment of prayer, I just wanna encourage you, if you don't know or have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and this is your first time here today and you're feeling a bit awkward, that's okay. <laughs> if this message has challenged you, um, the Holy Spirit's point, the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of our sins, remind us of righteousness, and give us the example of Jesus Christ. And if that has happened for you this morning and you, you're wanting to get into a relationship with Jesus Christ, I wanna give you an opportunity not to do anything different, just to raise your hand, because I'd love to pray with you this morning. And it's as simple as just put your hand up and put your hand back down, and then I'll keep you in prayer. Is there anybody here that wants to give? Thank you at the back. Anybody else, you can just raise your hand and put them down. Thank you. Thank you for that hand. Anyone else? I don't want to move on from this moment. God loves you. He died for you. And He's coming back for you. Whilst this life might be hard, eternity is going to be amazing. Church, will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you that because of you, because of your sacrifice, and because of the fact that you rose again, we can call you our king. I ask you to come into my life and change it. I repent of my sins. I turn from my ways and I aim myself towards you. I wanna serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name.
all God's people said, amen. Can we just give a round of applause just for those that raised their hand. Thank you so much. The Bible actually says that not only are we celebrating, but that the angels and the hosts in heaven celebrate with you. Listen, we're gonna, we've come to the end of the service and we're gonna kick out with a, a song. But before we do that, I just wanna grab that card. Um, we've got an evening called Dream Again Evening, a worship evening. Um, I don't know, have you guys enjoyed the worship this week? It's been good. It's been amazing. We encourage you, come along 6 p.m. tonight. Um, we've got a Dream Again card and these cards are for you. So I encourage you to write down your dream for this year. We encourage you to be courageous, step out and dream for God dreams, God-sized dreams this year. So you can fill those cards in Then we encourage you to keep it with you this year in your Bibles, which is a reminder of what God has spoken into your heart. And we're gonna continue to pray with you. So we'd love to see you tonight. God bless church. Have a good Sunday.